And I don't know if many of you remember in her testimony of uh, healing that the Lord spoke to her that he was going to give her pulpit time. And so when I prayed about um, this meeting, about speaking, and, you know, whether I was to bring the message, and if so, what to bring, he said, no, Mary is to bring it. She's to have her pulpit time. <laughs> so here we go. Lord, I just lift up Mary to you, and Father, you've anointed this woman of God, and I just pray that anointing would just rise up in her now as she delivers your words of truth to the congregation and to those listening over live stream. Amen, in Yeshua's name. Thank you for being my test audience. <laughs> Don't leave, please. <laughs> Shabbat shalom. <laughs> Since uh, Pastor Stu is not with us today, I've been asked to share with you. And, I, you know, I was reading through this week's Torah portion and all the things, and I was thinking about um, Pharaoh and the words that he spoke and the power of the words that he spoke. And also the words, let my people go. And the Holy Spirit, immediately when I started to pray about what the subject would be, he gave me the subject and he wouldn't let me leave that subject. So our subject today is the power of the tongue for blessing or cursing. You know, I think I was born talking. <laughs> Most babies cry. But I think I probably had something to say the moment that I left my mother's womb. And I'm sure my husband would agree. <laughs> Over the years, however, the Lord has graciously allowed me to say things were, that were not always appropriate or uplifting so that I could learn from the repercussions of those words that from my, that, oh, I'm sorry, what to say and when to say it. Surprise, surprise, everything that came from my mouth was not something everyone wanted to hear. After Tom and I got saved, and we got saved together the same time, in November of 1976, someone should have locked me up for a while. Our children suffered from a severe case of Bible thumping for a lot of years. They are finding their way out of my zeal even to this day. God tells us in his word that the tongue has incredible power. We can use our tongues to bring blessings and life or curses and death. The saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is simply not true. Our tongues can be the most difficult thing to control and leaves us with great regret if we use our words to hurt. But there is hope. The Bible tells us that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can have power and control over our tongue. First Peter 3.10. Mike, could I have that? And he's got a different version. So I'm going to read here what I have, and you can read up there so we can kind of see what a couple of the different versions say. <clears throat> Whoever wants to love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil 
and his lips from speaking deceit. Can we just land on this for a moment? Sometimes I like to reverse what is stated in the Word of God in order to get a better idea of what will happen if we do not follow its instruction. So if we refuse to keep our tongue from evil and our lips from speaking deceit, what are the consequences of our rebellion? We will not love life, and we will not see good days. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to work on making what comes out of my mouth uplifting and encouraging in order to love life and see good days. One of the first times I had a real taste of the power of the tongue was when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Of course, being in the club of three tallest girls in my class, we stood back to back every day to see who had to be the tallest for the day. And um, being the ranch kid who was self-conscious about my growth and development anyway, words were especially powerful. I remember uh, one day I was with my oldest sister at the home of a friend of hers. I remember her name to this day. I hadn't thought about this in years, but it was like God brought this up so that I could use it as an example. Um, I was wearing what I thought was a lovely pink blouse. You know, some of the stuff that you wear when you're 11 or 12, but it was a lovely pink blouse that day, or so I thought. Well, stab me in the heart. Sherry, very matter-of-factly, informed me that I should never wear pink. It didn't look good on me with my red-headed coloring. And I am a redhead, naturally. Um, we're not going to go there. <laughs> I went home, took that blouse off, and gave it away. And I never wore pink for years. I mean years afterward. That offhanded comment, in what I presume was her most helpful tone, was absolutely devastating to that young rosebud that was about to bloom. When I had my colors done later, I was amazed to find out that pink is one of my best colors. This woman didn't know me that well, but she took it upon herself to shatter my self-esteem, however unknowingly. But I took that lesson to heart. Our daughter, Maureen, had some, let me say, rather unusual taste in clothing when she was growing up. She would mix print with flowers of a clashing color or red stripes with perhaps orange polka dots. Do you know that lesson from my childhood came to the forefront of my memory, and I was able to guide her into making better style choices without her making her feel like an ugly duckling? Looking back... I'm glad I had that lesson because Abba used that young Mary to connect with that young Maureen in a much better way than I would have had I never gone through it. So what the devil meant for evil, God used for the good of both of us. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2, Mike, please. Teaches that a gentle response deflects fury, but a harsh word makes temper rise. Tempers rise. The tongue of the wise presents knowledge well, but the mouth of a fool spews out folly. Mark Twain once said that it is better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. <laughs> let me tell you about the zero curse, which will prayerfully cause you to realize the importance of our words. I don't know if you know about this, but William Harrison hated Indians. He added 15 million acres to public lands, which the Indians never got paid for. 
the Shawnee Indians had a prophet named Tecumseh. He cursed the president of the United States. Out of his mouth came that curse. He said Harrison would die in office, and every 20 years, the president would die up to seven. In 1840, William Harrison died. 1860, Lincoln. 1880, Garfield. 1900, McKinley. 1920, Harding. 1940, FDR. 1960, JFK. In 1980, Reagan surrounded himself with Christian prayer warriors who knew about the Zero Curse and prayed against it. Although Hinckley tried to assassinate him, he was a believer and was protected, and the curse was broken. Marilyn Hickey's anointed decree over her life, the, con the Conqueror's Prayer, which she prays daily, is just, um, it, it, well, just listen. She says, I arise daily through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from snares of devils, from temptations of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill afar and anear, alone and in multitude. I summon today all these powers between me and those evils against every cruel, merciless power that may oppose my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul, Christ to shield me today, against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me abundance of reward, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Her longevity and joy aren't because of her using her tongue for cursing, but for ministering to her heavenly father and speaking blessing over herself and others on a daily basis. I recently heard uh, someone say that each morning when they arise, they say, good morning, my first love to the Lord. And I have started doing that daily. And what peace fills my heart. I'm kind of one of those that I'm always thinking about something. Well, the worries of the day have no place there because the space in my mind that might be filled with Satan's lies is instead filled with joy and the contentment of knowing Abba has already started the day before me. Matthew 12, 36, Mike, thank you, says, Moreover, I tell you this, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless word they have spoken. For by your own words, you will be acquitted. 
and by your own words, you will be condemned. I heard of a congregation who sensed the Lord challenging them to fast negative words and thoughts for 30 days. At the end of 30 days, there were tremendous miracles, financial breakthroughs, and relationships reconciled. Will you stand with me in fasting our negative words and thoughts for the next week? We're not going to do it for a month, but if we could make an honest effort to do it for the next week, let's forego them all, and then let's come back next Shabbat, and perhaps some of us can share what Abba has done in that time. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Old habits die hard. But I'm excited to be held to a higher standard, not just for myself, but for his glory and the heart blessing of those I speak to and of. Are you with me? Let's do it. Matthew 15, 11, Mike, please. What makes a person clean or unclean is not what goes into his mouth. Rather, what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. You and I have been given the gift of free will. We can make that choice. Someone once told me that God gives us our uh-huh and our ha uh He is a gentleman and doesn't interfere with those. We are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let me tell you, this scripture invokes both of those in me. Almost six years ago, I was standing by our daughter's bedside in Nashville, Tennessee, at Vanderbilt Hospital, watching the ventilator keep her alive so we could spend time saying goodbye to her. The agony lasted all night. I remember so little about that night. Perhaps one of the most touching things I saw was her brother Brennan wiping the blood from her nose that was caused from her brain swelling. I understood what the character Sally Field played in, st in Steel Magnolias must have felt. Everyone had their emotions, anger, grief, sadness, but I was the one who gave her life. I don't think anyone can ever understand the utter raw, gut-wrenching feeling of watching her chest expand and contract, knowing that she really wasn't there anymore. She was already with her Savior, and I longed to be there with her. I had four other wonderful, supportive children, but the grief was so agonizing that I didn't want to live. But for them and for my husband, I may not have. Two years later, upon returning from my brother's funeral, Paul Myrant, whom I barely knew, read my mail. And this was at Havdalah. He prayed over me, and he let me know that the Lord was telling me I had a choice, and that choice was death or life. It was in the power of my tongue. God was giving me the choice this time to be healed from my third occurrence of breast cancer or to die. I had opened the door for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc with my health by the words I spoke when I told people I just wanted to go home. He told me to declare daily the words of Proverbs 118.17, Mike, please. I will not die. No, I will live and proclaim the great work deeds of Yah. It is a part of my prayer life, and I believe it has given me power and authority to fight the issues of my life and not just physical ones. Amen. Bill Yount, in his article, Cancel Your False Report, a prophecy for those receiving bad news, shares his story. 
Before my yearly heart checkup last week, I heard the words, false report. After listening to my heart, the doctor said, I hear a little heart murmur. We will check it out to make sure your heart is okay. I held on to those words, false report, about what the doctor said. As I arrived home, the Lord convicted me of murmuring. I immediately repented. I am convinced that our bodies often let us know what's going on in our spiritual lives. My test was on that Thursday morning, and the doctor called me in the following Friday to tell me everything is fine. I believe when I repented, the bullet missed me, and I am not the same person. This last Thursday, and this is me, not him. This last Thursday, I was scheduled for a 3D mammogram and an ultrasound as a follow-up to a routine mammogram that came back with questionable results. Let me tell you, I did a whole lot of talking to God, and then I did a whole lot of listening to his reassurance. I don't know about you, but I sometimes question whether or not I'm really hearing from him or if I'm just hearing what I want him to say. The whole appointment took over two hours, so I had plenty of time to fight the battle of my words, which, of course, influenced my thoughts. When the final results came back, they found some small benign cysts, one of which they thought might be marginally suspicious. I was glad I had learned from many previous trials, and there have been many, to guard my tongue and my thoughts. That's not always easy when I'm in the foxhole. Temporary. This is what we should say to our circumstances when they don't line up with God's word. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We concentrate not on what is seen, but on what is not seen. Since things seen are temporary, but things not seen are eternal. If the devil is trying to speak negative thoughts in your ear, don't be passive. Resist. We need to resist his thoughts and ideas. We still have the dominion of naming things that God gave us long ago. We can name our troubles as mine and permanent, and they will stay. But if we call them temporary, they have to leave. Yeshua told us to speak to our mountains directly and tell them to be gone. But what would you say after you've spoken to the mountain and it's still there? Temporary. My circumstances are subject to change. Speak to sickness and tell it that it can't stay in your body. Speak to debt and financial lack and tell them to be removed from your life. Speak to doubt, fear, and worry and tell them to be gone. If you say, I just can't believe it would do any good for me to talk to problems, that's why you still have them. I believe the Lord will open our eyes and ears as we close our mouths more during these serious times in our lives. We have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. He will show us great and mighty things that we've never seen or heard before. We will begin to see the good of our land, the fruit instead of the giants and evil. We will then begin to pray and say what he says about our nation. I believe we will even begin speaking blessing to the ground beneath, beneath our feet. Being a farm girl, I can relate to the scripture, James 3, 3 to 5. Thanks. If we put a bit into a horse's mouth to make it obey us, we control its whole body as well. And think of a ship. Although it is huge and is driven by strong winds, yet the pilot can steer it wherever he wants with just a small rudder. 
So too, the tongue is a tiny part of the body, yet it boasts great things. How, see how a little fire sets a forest, a whole forest ablaze. In researching for this sermon, I found out some interesting information. The rudder of a huge ship, such as an ocean liner, think the love boat, is only about 3.5% of the underwater hull of the ship. So goes our mouths, very small in comparison to the rest of our bodies. But boy, do they steer us in the wrong direction sometimes. My friend Patricia Harrington wrote the following. It has powerfully impacted my life. Spiritual attacks are all around us. Most of us are more than aware that the enemy has set landmines for us. Too often, we have failed to negotiate the traps and have ended up falling prey to Satan's tactics. When we pray, do we expect God to intervene? Are we able to see into the spirit to know just how much God wants to bless us, protect us, and provide for us? Do we understand how much God loves us? It seems that we often allow our thoughts to lead us astray, believing more in the enemy's power to enslave us than in God's hour, power to deliver us. As we succumb to the lies of the enemy, we begin to speak out words of death, destruction, sickness, instead of life, liberty, health, and strength. The Bible tells us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. As I have meditated on the power of words, faith, and just what we should believe for, I've been led to a few teachings on that subject. I've actually heard those teachings before, but in the last days, I've received a deeper revelation. I heard Perry Stone, a well-known teacher of biblical prophecy, speak on the power of our faith-filled words of blessing in a recent television broadcast. He was reporting on documented evidence from Dr. David Von Covering, a noted scientist who holds many patents for his discoveries regarding his research on how our words affect our environment. He had microscopic evidence that our words of blessing and cursing produce very different results in the molecular structure of water. When blessed, a water mo molecule looks much like a snowflake with exact and beautiful dimensions. When cursed, it is misshapen and shows patterns of confusion and brokenness. Dr. Van Covering also has done experiments on rice. He had cooked a pot of rice, divided it into two jars, did not speak over them, but wrote words of love and affirmation over one jar and words of hatred and death over the other. After 85 days, the first jar still looked to be fresh and edible. The second was black and moldy. The impact of this hit me as if I'd heard it for the first time. Even the words we think have an effect because of the spirit behind them. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I have followed this teaching of watching my words for years and have understood the power of my words regarding my health, she says, my family, finances, and provision, etc. I speak regularly to the 125 billion cells in my body to be restored back to their original capacity and function, muscles and ligaments to go back to their normal length and strength, and for health to be restored and apparent in every part of my physical body. I speak over my food to bless it with nourishment, that the Lord will take all sickness and disease far from me. However, I caught an additional revelation, which in turn has opened up a few other windows of revelation. 
It is important for us to pray and speak blessing over every area of our lives, and we often believe we are covering all the bases. However, many still live in fear regarding certain areas. Blessing our food should not be just limited to thanking the Lord for his provision, though that is an important step. It is also important to ask God to heal our food and water. That's heal our food and water, not just bless it. I believe that our words of faith and blessing can and will genetically restore our food back to its original state to be utilized by our bodies as it was originally intended if we will pray, seeking God to restore health into that food. We should bless our water, our coffee, our other beverages, and command them to be life-giving and health-filled for our bodies, that all harmful chemicals would be removed in Yeshua's name. If any are taking medications or if you have received medications through medical treatment, pray over those medications that they do only what they were designed to do and cast out all side effects in Yeshua's name. Pray over the baby's formula and finger foods. We should not put one thing into our mouths that we have not sought the Lord's blessing over. If we garden, we can and should bless the seeds as we plant them, speaking restoration and healing of genetic codes within the seeds to produce as God intended. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law of sin and death, and we need to think like it. We need to speak like it, and we need to act like it. I believe that God wants us to speak to this mountain of genetically engineered foods in our homes to be removed and be cast into the sea. I believe he is directing us to deeper understanding of the authority we have as believers to affect every area of our lives, even our food and water supply through what Yeshua has done for us. It is a part of what he is teaching us regarding taking dominion in this earth. He wants to bring restoration into our lives, and he has promised to guard us and keep us even in the midst of turmoil. Even if we blow it and something slips by, Scripture says in Mark 16, 17 to 18, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, if they eat or drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. Notice that Yeshua does not say that these signs might follow them that believe, nor does it say that maybe some things won't harm us. No, he tells us that these signs shall follow us that believe, and that if we eat or drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm us. It is what we, he will do for us if we believe and boldly declare in Yeshua's mighty name, the Lord has put his stamp and seal upon it for us. Okay, Mike, could we get Zechariah 4, 6, please? Then he answered me, this is the word of Adonai, to Arubavel, not by force and not by power, but by my spirit, says Adonai Tzavuot. I believe that at times we are going through the, I'm sorry, I believe that at times what we are, go through physically is prophetic for the body of Christ and our nation. So if this speaks to you, take, hey, take heed and repent, for murmuring can be dangerous for us and others. And don't rejoice when you see your enemy fail. Pray for them. Mike, could I have Psalm 141? Thank you. Post a guard at my mouth, God. Set a watch at the door of my lips. I sense we are entering a critical space in time. During this time, the words that we speak concerning bad reports in our lives and also concerning our nation will carry tremendous power. 
in how the Lord responds to us. It's as though our words will be amplified in the spirit realm. God will be listening, but so will the enemy. Much of the battle and breakthrough will be won by the words that we speak and by what we don't say. Remember, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And as we are thinking about things, we need to cast down the imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Messiah. I will end with an article I think is important. Tom and I listened to this on Daystar the other day, and it just... The devil just works by the wearing of the mind. He's always chattering in our ear about something. And um, it was written in 1965 that maybe some of the younger people don't remember this person. But it was written by someone we all knew and loved back then. You will know whose insight this was at the end. It's called If I Were the Devil. If I Were the Devil... If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, thee. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good, and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington, and then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors and how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families that war with themselves, churches that war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild until you, before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. This was in 1965, remember? Within a de decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I had killed the incentive to be ambitious. 
And what do you bet I could get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on the TV is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey, good day. Absolutely. Everything that we do needs to be positive. Words. And, you know, somebody told me a long time ago that once our words are out there, they are in the universe because we have, we have an atmosphere. They don't go beyond the atmosphere. So everything that we say is still out there. So, yes, absolutely. You're, we're both city country girls. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, in 1967, I was uh, challenged by God to fast words. I was very negative. I was extremely overweight. And I was suicidal in a bad relationship. So a couple of kids, and it was just really bad. But I took notice of that, that time to fast, and he said, fast. And I said, I can't do it. I was raised on a farm, you clean your plate. You don't, you, you know, people are starving. You know, we were told to do that. And yeah, and so that's how I was raised up. And so that's what I did. But the fast removed reminded me and showed me I knew I was a prophetess because I knew the bill collector was going to call. I knew it. I knew it. I just knew it. I could sense. I could just sense it. And so all of these things came up, but I started recognizing how I was thinking and what I was thinking. And the Lord was showing me that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so I had to get my tongue saved. <laughs> I had to get it saved. It's a little member, but boy, it can set things afire. So this is what the Lord did for me. I had to say, Lord, I can't do it. He called me to a fast of words and fast of food. But I'm going to tell you, he gave us grace to obey. When he tell us to do something, there's always the grace to do it. I tell you, since then, that's been over 50 years, I fast. Every year, at least in its different times and places that I've been. Right now, I'm in the midst of the 31-day fast. And I've been fasting water and doing, doing water and liquids. And found out that when you fast, your body rejuvenates. You get younger. That's, you we, so that's what, 72 ladies? Yeah. No wrinkles. What you want to do is know that... What the enemy did for me, what he told me, that I was, I needed that. 
because I needed comfort. And that was a lie. The Lord convicted me of my idolatry. I was a food addict. And I could not not eat. And when I had fasted the 10 days that of grace, I was so free. I didn't know I could not not eat. I didn't know it, but I did. And I know God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. So uh, how many, is there anyone, well, I'm sure there's probably everybody has words that they would like to repent of over the last year. Why don't we all stand? Do you want to lead them in a yes. repentance? Yes. Father God, right now, as a whole, as a family, Lord, we love one another and we love you. And Lord, we know that you have forgiven us. You have sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, our sicknesses, our words, Lord, our thoughts. Father God, right now, we come before you and we just repent. We repent. And repent does not mean I'm sorry. Repent means turning away turning away, avoiding opportunities. Lord, we just repent in the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach. And we say, Lord, put a guard on our mouth, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Let our lips sing your praises, Father. When we want to say something, if we are depressed Father, that's when we throw off the cloak of heaviness and we put on the garment of praise. Thank you, Lord, so much for being oh, our Savior. Let the words of our mouth, Lord, and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Thank you, Lord, that as we go from this place, this week, this week, we are going to fast a lot of news, a lot of negative things, a lot of things that cause us to be stirred up and to say and think things that we should not. Father, we just glorify your name. We thank you, Lord. And Lord, hold us accountable. Hold us accountable. We need to be held accountable. And Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together, to come together and repent not only corporately, but individually, and say, we are so sorry, Lord. We're so sorry because we have offended you. We have hurt your heart. You love us so much, Lord, but it hurts your heart when we speak things that are not gracious and not full of grace and mercy. Lord, we just give you our honor and praise. In Yeshua's name, amen and amen. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and touch each one of our tongues, that you would anoint our tongues with life, that we would speak words of life, and that your Holy Spirit would tap us on the shoulders and remind us when we're in situations, if we speak anything negative, 
so that quickly we can repent and that your word would come alive and give us the words of life to speak. Lord, your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh is there to teach us, to train us, to guide us in all your ways. And so we submit our tongues to you, this little vessel. And we want it to not be a fire for evil, but a fire for your kingdom. fire that will bring life. So touch our tongues with the fire of the Holy Spirit that will bring healing, that will bring breakthrough. That will bring order. That will change atmospheres that will decree your word. Thank you that you gave us this little instrument that we will prophesy. And praise you and declare who you are. into this world that we will declare our love for you we will declare your character we love you Lord we praise you Lord we worship you we worship you Lord we exalt you Lord you are the most high God. Your name is high above all others. You are highly exalted, Lord. Highly exalted. And we give you thanks. Let our tongues Express thanksgiving and gratefulness and honor. And delight and affirmation and encouragement. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, fill us all with your Holy Spirit, with your Ruach HaKodesh. We release your Ruach HaKodesh into the atmosphere here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 